Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Today's episode of the Believe in Steelers podcast is brought to you by our guys at betonline.ag. Ike, there are three Thanksgiving games that you can wager on. You've got Texans at Lions, Washington football team at Dallas Cowboys, and the Ravens will go on the road at Heinz Field to take on the Pittsburgh Steelers. But BetOnline is the place to go if you want to wager on any of those games. So you, you, you damn man saying, man, I got two advertisers and the entree, which is the Pittsburgh Steelers and Ravens game <laughs> on Thursday, man. That's a hell of a Thursday. That's a hell of a Thanksgiving, dog. You know, three games, bro, that's, that's a lot of football. Shout out to the guys who's playing on Thanksgiving. They can be with their families, of course, husband, wives, whoever it may be, but they playing a the game that they love and they're really actually entertaining. So for us as fans, man, we're getting three games in one day and that's a gathering day for most, you know? We, usually you got to wait till what, one o'clock? But heck, man, we're getting three games in one day, man. That's, that's awesome if you're a football fan. But shout out to the coaches, the training staff, the owners, and the players who plan on Thursday, you know, especially the late games. Because the late games, you know, you got to have an early Thanksgiving. or probably got to do it either – Wednesday or Friday, so on. Also, I got to give a shout-out to the Bet Online. Bet Online just been – they've been blessing us, dog. They've been, they've been with us. We're going to return the favor. So, Bet Online, don't even trip. We're going to return the favor. Soon as we get over this pandemic and we start blowing up, things going to come into come into plan. So, don't even trip. But Bet Online, appreciate y'all. Yeah, I, I think that Raven-Steelers game is not just the main course, but also dessert. I think you get a, a double scoop with the Ravens and Steelers, at least compared to those other two matchups. But head over to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Cue the music. It's time to start the show. Welcome to the Believe in Steelers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mark Bergen, joined as always by two-time Super Bowl champion and 12-year veteran of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Ike Taylor. Ike, the Steelers remain unbeaten at 10-0, coming off a 27-3 win over the Jacksonville Jaguars. And in this one, it was the takeaways that the Steelers forced had four takeaways against this Jaguars team that is really beat up, a Jaguars team that's in the running in the tank for Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. But I really thought the turnovers were the key difference in this one because early on, it looked like that the Jaguars were hanging with the Steelers, but that went away pretty quickly. And it was really, it started with Minka Fitzpatrick's interception off a tipped pass from Tyson Alu-Alu. But what was your takeaway from Sunday's game? In the words of Coach Tomlin, the only thing perfect is our record. You know, that's the only thing he's saying they're doing perfect. Everything else, he just feel like, man, it's a lot of work that needs to be done. 
And of course, when you nine and zero slash ten and zero, you're gonna get the team's best shot. They're gonna come out the first quarter, a little bit of the second quarter, till you remind them, "Hey, man, we ain't nothing to be played with. Go ahead on fall back." It's the reason why we're nine and zero. We didn't took y'all best shot. Y'all didn't hit us in the chin a couple of times, and we ate them. And that's what the Pittsburgh Steelers is doing. And we talked about this last week, Mark. We talked about the running game being okay in the empty sets and the quick throws being the running game. And guess what they did against Jacksonville Jaguars? They, they did exactly what we talked about. You know, that, that passing game is their running game. So Seven isn't worrying about what his per average yards look like passing. You know, he's cool with them three, four yards. As long as they get into these third and manageable yards and getting these third downs, that's all really what matters. And we said what was going to be the identity to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Either you're going to go back to old school and running the ball traditionally like a Tennessee Titans, or you're going to, you're going to do what you do, and that's passing the ball well. But then when you hear stuff over the Internet and Ben's like, man, these guys, these guys, I mean, and these receivers are keeping them young. They're young. They're energetic. They're selfless. It's all about win and team. They're not worrying about no statistical stats on each individual. And then when you see it, it's like, okay, it's really making sense. You know what I'm saying? So, because I played with some receivers, playing with Pittsburgh Steelers, and Ben got five good receivers, man. Ben got five good receivers. And they're using all of them. And all of them look like they enjoy playing. So, yeah, they running game is a short, quick game, passing game. And we talked about that last week, Mark. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. You're in my brain again, Ike, in the sense that are you <laughs> cool with Big Ben throwing the ball 46 times and that the Steelers ran the ball 27 times? James Conner seemed to return to form, though. 11 carries, 87 yards on the ground. And with the receivers, when Big Ben goes in his empty sets, and we've talked about how he's had success in the empty sets as a quarterback in the quick passing game, it's not just, okay, he's got the depth of receivers. They're also really young. Juju Smith-Schuster is the elder statesman of this group, and he's only 24 years old. So you get the ball out of Big Ben's hands really quickly. You get defenders out in space that aren't used to playing on the perimeter and it's a pick your poison from a defensive standpoint in trying to stop big men in this offense cold weather receivers that's another thing we talked about last week so when you draft and you draft them because you feel like you're going to be in the playoffs time january february football come and these cold weather receivers whether this rookie chase claypool or whether you just get up to the up and coming Deontay Johnson, those guys played in the cold. And in between, James Washington, Juju, and Deontay, and McLeod, you got all these guys, these cold-weather receivers, man. So when it gets cold, they just used to it. You know, they're not thinking, oh, how am I going to catch this ball in the cold weather? What gloves should I use in the cold weather? It's just something they've been used to for the past three and a half, four years if you've been in college. And if you've been Juju, You've been in Pittsburgh for at least four years, so you understand the cold weather and all that it brings. So they're already built for it. And, you know, and this passing game has opened up the run game. Like, Connor has been patient and has been getting the ball late in the games instead of early in the games. They'll try Connor and company out early to see how the running game go. And if Seven don't like the running game, of course he's going to pass the ball then they'll come back into the running game. So that's why he's able to have 11 carries for 87 yards. 
which is hard to do. So it's working vice versa for the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know what I'm saying? And I'm sure people are going to talk about, well, when you get to the playoffs, you got to be able to run the ball. True, but if you just stick into who you are right now, and that's what I think the Pittsburgh Steelers are doing, they're a empty set, short, quick passes. We can beat you deep if we want to, and we'll run the ball when we need to of late. Yeah, and with the receivers, too, it you mentioned the weather and how they like playing in the cold weather, and it doesn't make a difference of if it's the cold weather, which you see November, December, January, February, versus what you see early on in the season when it's a lot warmer, the conditions are more favorable, you see more shootouts. It's almost like with the car where it doesn't matter what the terrain is, the car is still going to be able to function versus if you come across other terrains, a flashy car like, say, like a Ferrari or a car that's more of a speedster might not be able to function in the same terrain. And so that's kind of the analogy I would make with these receivers because they are used to playing in the cold weather. Yeah, I'm not bringing bringing my Ferrari in St. Louis or Chicago in the month of December. Like, that's why I always keep my all-durain dually truck. My dually truck, man, I can bring my dually truck anywhere in the world. Now, it, it might not be as eye-appealing to most in the summertime. You know, you might want to bring out a little sports car in the summertime. But I ride my dually truck to death because I know around these times, that's what you're going to need it. And that's what these receivers have. They have a dually truck mentality. You know, these boys are very unselfish, even regardless on the size, regardless on the height. They're hard-nosed. They're always getting into something, meaning they're doing the things which guys as a receiver don't usually like to do. That's blocking. James Conner can get 87 yards off 11 carries because his perimeter guys are blocking. You know, you expect for the big boys on the inside to block, but when you got the receivers blocking on the perimeter, that's the extra 10, 15 yards that you're getting. So I think Seven said it best, man. Seven said, I was reading Seven today, man. Seven said he's just never been around – well, I ain't going to say that. He's been around the unselfish team. Now, that was a early 2000 Pittsburgh Steelers. But I'm just looking at it from afar, Mark, and to see how unselfish those guys are in that receiver room because all of them good. <laughs> all of them good in that receiver room. All of them bring something totally different to the table, but all of them helping the team out regardless on what they're doing. But just to see that whole team, man, defense celebrating. Edmonds, he's starting to come around and being that first-round safety that we thought he can be. You can't say enough about Magic Minka. You know, that's all, that's all they do is be around the ball. You know, regardless of whether he's right or wrong, he's just always around the ball. So he's the closer. We talked about Minka a couple of shows ago about being the closer, if you know anything about baseball. You know, so, of course, the Pittsburgh Steelers feel like they got to steal when you talk about Minka. So, it's just a lot of things going into play. They've been in and out shuffling the line, but the line has been holding a fort to some degree. Seven has been getting rid of the ball. He's been hit a few times, but again, only seven can play for the Pittsburgh Steelers because he just has that mystique, that old steel mill, that old man, let's just take the guns, take the knives. We just going to fight. We're going to bare knuckle everything. You know, that's just still a mentality, if you know what I'm saying. But the Pittsburgh Steelers and Coach Tomlin, that OC and that DC, man, with them boys got it going on between Rand, the offense coordinator, and Coach Buss, the defense coordinator, and Coach Town at the helm, man, they, they they just playing a complete, a complete, a complete game. You know, whether it's special teams, one week is special teams that come up with a play. Uh, the next week is it's the defense. Then the following week, Ben might put up 
you know, 25 to 30 some points. So they just play a good team ball, and they really don't care between the three phases who gets the credit. They just want to come out with the best alphabet if you're a professional, if you play sports, and that's the W. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, if I like any alphabet and I play sports, my favorite alphabet going to be the W. <laughs> you feel me? So yeah. that's all yeah. they're doing now, just stacking Ws. 100%. I do want to get to the defensive side of the ball, but I'd be remiss. Chase Claypool, 10 touchdowns in 10 games and joined some historic company, and he's now just one touchdown away from tying the Steelers' rookie record he also joins several receivers dating back to the 1950s and 1960s as having the most touchdowns through first 10 games in league history as well. Deontay Johnson with his second consecutive 100-yard game. But going back to Claypool, it's not just his ability to make plays, his ability to make plays downfield. It's also to draw pass interference penalties, which you draw the penalty. And in the NFL, remember, it's from the spot of the foul. It's not how it is in college when it's just 15 yards, regardless of where the pass interference took place on the field. And so to be able to draw penalties deep downfield against defensive backs also helps this offense move the football as well. And so I'd be remiss if I did not mention that in, okay, it's great to see him score touchdowns, no doubt. But if you play him one-on-one, good luck, because really the only way good veteran cornerbacks and defensive backs are stopping this guy is either by double teaming or if you do want to go against him one-on-one, good luck with that matchup. Well, he was in my brain. So I was going to talk about Chase Claypool IQ and being able to come in as a rookie and understand all I got to do is look back and try to fight for the ball if it's underthrown. I know the referee probably going to side my way and get the flag. And I was looking at, and I didn't think of Chase that way until you said something, but I was just thinking of Chase on how good he's playing as a rookie. You know, he's not playing as a rookie. And I think this pandemic has helped a lot of rookies receivers or just rookies in general kind of really buckle down in the playbook and understand and, and digest what the defense or offense coordinator is looking for, you know, to get on the field. Because if you look at it, you got C.D. Lamb. He balled as a rookie in Dallas. Justin Jefferson, he's balling in Minnesota. And Chase Claypool, he, he's balling for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So you got three rookies who's clowning. And what I mean by clowning, I mean having fun and balling at this point of, of, of their career. <laughs> the, those three guys, they ain't doing nothing but just making plays week in and week out. And I think the pandemic, you know, has helped guys kind of focus. You know, doing it without the pandemic, once you leave the facility or, or leave a meeting, you can kind of venture off and do your own thing. Right now, it's, you're all in with football, or trying to stay healthy, trying to stay safe, and just getting in your playbook and getting on the field. But Chase, you know, 10 touchdowns, and we're only going through 10 games so far. Got six more left, knock on wood. Young man, stay healthy. He's going to do a lot of exciting things. But his IQ level is bar none in my mind. Yeah, I do want to get to two criticisms of the offense before moving to the defensive side of the ball. Right before the half, the interception thrown by Big Ben, trying to go up by three touchdowns and forcing the ball, throwing an interception, and you hold on to the ball there. Maybe you go up 17 instead of just being up by 14. 
in a game against Jacksonville, it probably won't matter, but that's a throw that could be critical later in the season when you're going up against stiffer competition. And then Chris Boswell, who's been almost automatic as a kicker, saw his consecutive field goal streak come to an end. So maybe he can start a new streak. This is a guy who's been one of the most consistent kickers in the NFL, but it's really hard to criticize this Steelers team at 10-0. and But if I did have two criticisms from the offensive side of the football, it would probably be those two things. Yeah, Bozzi got to get together. You know, Bozzi been up and down. That, that's, that's his career, though. Like, he'll, he'll get on the streak where he'll hit about 20-something straight. Then he'll get off the streak where he'll miss some. Where you want to go and get these misses out of the way right now because when playoff time comes, they're definitely going to need you. You know what I'm saying? It's going to come down to them kind of games, 17-14 or 24-21 kind of 21 kind of games when they get down to the playoffs. So Bozzi got to get back on his P's and Q's, which I think he will. But, you know, for the Pittsburgh Steelers, man, if, if anybody going to say anything, is it's the slow start. You know, it's the slow start. And the defense have been relied on, but it's the crazy thing about the defense. You get Ty Lua-Lua back on that defensive tackle, and you see what he do. You get a Mike Hilton back, which we talked about, and which I said once he gets back, it's like having an extra linebacker and that physicality and that secondary. And you get a Sutton, a Cam Sutton, who's more of a coverage guy. So you got depth when you want to look in that secondary. And as a defensive coordinator, man, you can kind of play with the quarterback, play with the offensive lineman, play with the receivers who's, who's lining up in the slot, and just kind of dictate and trapping them into doing something they really don't want to do because of those two guys. So you got all kinds of personalities that helps that defense. You can get finesse if you want to, or you can get aggressive if you want to. So having those two guys back, you definitely saw what happened with the Pittsburgh Steelers defense on Sunday against Jacksonville. And it's not going to do anything but just help them. All right, Ike. I promised you I'd go to the defensive side of the ball. And so I did a little film study. And mm -hmm. I want to go to the play of Terrell Edmonds' second interception, little mm -hmm. inverted cover three. And mm -hmm. I'm going to go in your brain now, too. When he got that second interception, his second of the game, mm -hmm. If you look at the Steelers' sideline on the replay of that, they go absolutely nuts as soon as the play's over. And you saw his teammates just so happy for him. And he's played really, really well this season after having a slower start to his career. This is a guy who's been, if you look on Twitter, you look online, a guy who's faced his share of criticism, but he's starting to really ball out for the Steelers. But look at that play and look at the sideline on his second interception of Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback, Jake Luton, who was filling in for the injured Gardner Minshew. But just looking at the sideline, you always say this, the sideline tells the story. They feel happy for the young man. And, and what I like to tell people it's hard to call first-round first guys bust, and you can't get mad at them because a GM or a coach don't know what he's doing when, it's, when it comes down to scouting. You know what I'm saying? Like, dang, he was a bust in the first round. But dang, I would have never drafted him in the first round. Like, you can't be mad at the person who got drafted in the first round. But with the Pittsburgh Steelers, it's been a long time coming for Edmonds. You know what I'm saying? And you're right. He he's have had a lot of criticism. And people was looking for that first round, you know, Magic Minka. Like, dang, Magic just come from a whole different state and do this. We was looking for, 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 for Edmund to do that. And he haven't showed us anything yet. Now he has. And I think it has a lot to do with Minka. And it's contagious. 
when you get a guy like Mink in that secondary and, a, and you, you know, from Joe Hayden to Nelson, it's contagious. You know, from OG to a young buck, that's contagious. But, you know, Joe doesn't play safety. When when Minka came through, uh, I think Minka kind of spread some love and spread some light on Edmonds and like, hey, bro, this, this is how you got to act as a professional. This is what you need to do as far as, like, film study. And these are the chances you can take in between the scheme. Now, one thing I'm saying, what, they, what they're doing well is disguising. You know, when once you get disguising, uh, I don't care how many years you've been playing in the league, man, you're going to pick a quarterback off a few times. And he had two. Mika had two. So, you know, that, that got him over the hump on getting out of that Duval County with a W. But, yeah, Trey starting to – he's starting to ball out. It, it was just a matter of time of him doing it. But I think that has a lot to do with Mika being in that huddle and being in that room with Trey and him coming out and performing like a first-round draft pick for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Another key play, I thought, was the Minka Fitzpatrick interception in the second quarter, a 10-3 to game. Jaguars are driving down the field. It's a one-score game, and it's like, okay, is this going to be the trap game that the Steelers have been trying to avoid? And the pass being tipped by Tyson Alualu shows the teamwork on that play, but it was actually the play two plays before Fitzpatrick's interception where Chris Conley, the Jaguars receiver, gets a pass downfield and Fitzpatrick just absolutely – go ahead, Ike. Form tackle. I know, I know exactly the play you're talking about, Mark. Mark, like, you know, that was a set the tone. That was a set the tone tackle. Exactly. Like, I can't say the B word on here, but B stop playing with me kind of tackle. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Like, y- y'all got me effed up kind of tackle. Like, man, all right, y'all smelling yourself. Yeah, the game is close. And we knew we were going to take y'all best punch uh, – Boy, go back on the sideline and, and, and stop playing. Like, that, that was, it was that kind of tackle. Like, it was an attitude tackle. Like, it was a form, old school, I'm about to pick your two feet up and I'm about to put all my body weight on you kind of tackle. So, it was like, it was perfect. Then I'm going to walk over you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm about to walk over you. So, I'm about to, you think you're a man, I'm about to make you feel like a little boy. So, <laughs> this is going through my head when I saw it. Like, ooh. I said, ooh, Mika. I love that kind of tackle right there because I already knew you was thinking, like, man, these boys got me effed up. Man, these boys trying me. Like, they, they think the Pittsburgh Steelers soft. Like, we didn't took y'all best punch. I want nothing. So, I remember I remember the play, and that, that kind of sparked a little flame for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, of course, Mika, he going he, to if, – if anybody know anything about Mortal Kombat, he going to finish him. He's going to finish him. He's going to finish him. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. I, was, I was more of a street fighter guy myself at the yeah, arcades growing up. I, I but, did it all. Oh, yeah. I love that. I absolutely love that. No, it totally flipped the script, though. And it was one of those things where it's just like two plays later, they get the interception. Steelers also keep their sack streak going now at 67 games. So they're two away from tying the all time record of most consecutive games with at least one sack. Mm -hmm. And you look at this defensive line of the league lead in sacks. Mm -hmm. You look at the individual stats of most pressures in the league. TJ Watt leads the league. And then Bud Dupree and Stephon Tewart are also in the top five, which is just incredible. And so it, again, it starts up front. 
getting pressure after the quarterback, shutting down the run, and how that makes everyone's job easier on the back end. But I, I absolutely love the Mortal Kombat reference here on the Bleeding Steelers <laughs> podcast. That's fantastic. I appreciate you, bro. So big picture, the Steelers are the 18th team in the Super Bowl era to start 10-0, and and 10 of the previous 17 have reached the Super Bowl. So Steelers are in good shape there. And they go into Thanksgiving, hosting the Baltimore Ravens on Thanksgiving night. So get your popcorn ready for that one. Ike, pessimistic marks coming out on today's pod. It's kind of a lose-lose for the Steelers in this one, and here's why. If they win, the Ravens fans are going to say, oh, well, we were without our top two running backs in Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins because of COVID-19. But at the same time, the Ravens are playing for their season at 6-4, and four, coming off an overtime loss to the Titans. Right now, the Ravens are on the outside looking into the playoffs. If the season ended today, they would not be in the postseason. So the Ravens really, really need this game, and I think you're going to see Baltimore – give its best shot on Thursday night in Pittsburgh. They got this, this their Super Bowl. This their Super Bowl, hopefully they can make it to a Super Bowl. Because if they lose this game right here, this is going to put them at six and five. And believe it or not, the Cleveland Browns in second place at seven and three. So it's like, oh, snap. Like the AFC is tough. When it comes down to the records, the AFC division is tough. Like, Five games losing ain't going to get you into the playoffs. 11-5 to five might not get you in the playoffs, bro. 12-4 and going to get you in the dough. That's how tough the AFC is looking right now. So, the, so I'm looking at the Baltimore Ravens like this, they, this is a must win for them. This is a must win for them. This is a must win for them. They have to at least to stay afloat, you know, because if they lose this game right here, they're going to be drowning. The Baltimore Ravens are going to be drowning if they lose Thursday against the Pittsburgh Steelers. So this is this, the this, Super Bowl before the Super Bowl. Like, they damn, they got to play two Super Bowls. If they plan on getting into the playoffs, this got to be their Super Bowl game. One, it got to be a Super Bowl to still float in the division, the AFC North, one. Two, you're in the hunt. You're not even, you're not even in the wild card seating. You know what I'm saying? Three, you still won't get that taste out your mouth <laughs> on the bully getting bullied by the Tennessee Titans. So it's a few things that's going on. Four, your coach had to go outside. Your coach had to go outside and try to represent for that staff between the warm-ups between Malcolm Butler and, and the Baltimore Ravens. So it, it's a lot going on right now, Marky Mark, for the, for the Baltimore Ravens, man. They got, a, they got a lot at risk on Thursday. You know, you win, you still got life. You lose, you damn near drowning. Yeah, and if you think that the loss of Ingram and Dobbins doesn't matter, the Steelers opened as a three-point favorite, which makes sense, the NFL's last unbeaten team at home. But that line has now moved to four and a half now. Steelers are also going to be wearing their color rush uniforms, five and one when they wear the color rush uniforms too. So that's going to be fun to watch at Heinz Field on Thanksgiving night. And again, like we said at the top of the pod, in my opinion, it's not just, okay, you got the two appetizers in the early game. This game's going to be the main course and the dessert, in my opinion. Mm, There's going to be a little bit of everything, man. It's going to be playoff football. This, this, what you about to see on Thursday between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Baltimore Ravens is a playoff game. And I'm, I'm sure that's exactly what Coach Tom is saying. Like, everything what I mentioned, 
Mark from Harbaugh coming out there to defend his team and talking to Malcolm Butler and them guys trying to stump on the Ravens in the middle of the field, the, 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 the sign to, man, we really embarrassed ourselves. The Bullets got bullied against the Tennessee Titans, whether it was running back Derrick Henry or a receiver carrying six guys into the end zone between Brown. Man, we're about, we damn near drowning. This is our last lifeline. And this is why this is our last, last lifeline. Man, we're going to be at the bottom of the barrel if we lose this one. And it's going to be an uphill battle. Then you got to hope and pray certain people lose with points initiated in that. So we don't want to go that route. So it's going, it's, it's a lot for, it's a lot for the Baltimore Ravens to win this game. It's a must win for them boys. They're just so happy to, man, they play an undefeated team with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and they really don't care. Yeah, good luck. And the Steelers' biggest concern would be the availability of Joe Hayden and Juju Smith-Schusters. Both had injuries Sunday. Now, Hayden came back into the game, and eventually he was replaced by Cam Sutton in the fourth quarter. Probably could have continued to go. We'll see if he's okay there. And then Juju Smith-Schuster stepped on a flag from an official and had a toe injury. They said on the broadcast that he could have come back into the game too. I think both of these guys are going to be okay for Thursday. I wouldn't play him. I wow, wouldn't okay. play Juju or I wouldn't play Joe. And the reason why I wouldn't play Juju, I got enough, I got enough young receivers to get reps. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, we talented. We're already talented. I'll put either McLeod or I'll put Deontay in that slot, let him run a little motion. Um, really, Chase, Chase been the slot guy. So I'll leave Deontay at the X. I'll put James. I'll put James over up at the Z, and I'll put Chase in the slot, and I'm going to have it from there. And when I want to swap it out, I will put Deontay in the slot, and I'll put J- Chase at the X. And I'll tell Juju, man, because I'm just guessing. I, I know nothing about this injury. I'm just guessing he probably rolled his toe, so that big toe, and stomped it, and it could, it could turn into a, a turf toe, a little sprained turf toe. I'm just guessing. I'm not saying I know, but just how you – how you said it, I'm just guessing on that part. Joe, Joe, I'm, I'm going to leave Cam Sutton for Joe. You know what I'm saying? What I do know about the Baltimore Ravens, they don't like to throw on the outside. You know, um, Lamar Jackson is very comfortable throwing in between the hashes. So this is the perfect game for Joe Hayden to sit out and for Cam to get his reps on the outside because, really, that's what Lamar Jackson do not like to attack. He likes to attack inside the numbers. So that's what that's why I go with that. So if I'm Coach T, I wouldn't play either one of the two. And I just told you why. Yeah, and I don't want to pin all this on Lamar in terms of mm-hmm. the Ravens' struggles this season. But I, you and I have outlined why we thought that there would be a regression with this Ravens team. I feel like a broken record, and we say it, if not every week, like every other week with this Ravens mm-hmm. team. A lot of injuries on the offensive line. Marshall Yonder retires now without his two running backs. And for as great as Jackson has played in this league, he was the MVP last season when the team went 14-2 and and had the most rushing yards of any team in NFL history. I saw that Lamar Jackson has only eclipsed 300 yards passing in a game once in his career. And so making him throw outside of the numbers, you're spot on there. And beyond this season, you have to think to yourself, if the Ravens are going to get him help on the outside from the receiver position, how appealing is it really for a receiver if you have a quarterback whose talents are when he's running around making plays with his legs? It's not staying in the pocket, making plays with his arm. So if I'm a big-time free agent receiver, 
is Baltimore really that appealing of a destination for me in this offseason? And so that's big picture standpoint. Like, look, there's still several weeks left in this season, but that's how right. I'm looking at it from the Baltimore Ravens standpoint. I'm being a yinzer right now. I know I'm being a yinzer, but still. Yeah, I was still, if, if I'm a big-time receiver, I'm still going to Baltimore because they're always in playoff contention. That's true. You know what I'm saying? Like, like it's, it's regardless on what's going on, like, Lamar has to develop running but keeping his eyes downfield. Like the rest, like a Patrick Mahomes, even, even a Justin Herbert, a young Justin Herbert, he's been, he's been putting on a clinic of scrambling but keeping his eyes down the field. You know, not scrambling, but that's just Lamar. Like Lamar scrambles and runs to get first downs. Once Lamar starts to understand he's much more of a threat, scrambling, keeping his eyes downfield, running when he needs to, he's gonna, it's going to be a problem. But that's, that's what he has to pick up. And they got to do that yesterday. You know, Lamar has to pick up them, them habits yesterday because, you know, six, going six and five, if they lose to the Pittsburgh Steelers on Thursday, that's not going to look good. It's going to be a lot of I told you so. I told y'all that this, Lamar hit his max last year. That's what they're going to say. He maxed out last year. And that's what Lamar don't want because he's just too good and too genuine of a guy. He just loves football. You just, you just see. It. it ain't never about Lamar. And that's what you love about him and Joe Burrow. Prayers to Joe Burrow coming back ASAP. But that's what you love about them two young guys. You can just see it in their body language and see how his teammates and their teammates were acting around them. They just love playing ball, bro. You know what I'm saying? It's not about them. They just so happen to be real good. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Lamar just so happen to be a former MVP, but he definitely don't act like that. You know, it's hard for a quarterback to hit his chest and say my bad on a few, you know, broken up or missed passes or he didn't read the right read. Usually quarterbacks feel like they was always right, you know, but Lamar got to – he got to start scrambling to throw the ball, though. When he's scrambling, he got to keep his eyes down the field because it's a lot of young bucks right now, and that's exactly what they're doing, Mark. they scrambling, and they can scramble to pick up the first, but they scrambling to throw the ball down the field, and you're building a rapport with your receivers when you do that. Because I watched Justin and Keenan Allen. You know, them, them guys built a rapport when Keenan caught that thing in the end zone. Keenan damn near had his back turned, but Justin damn near led him the way, and Keenan knew what he was going to throw the ball to because the coverage wasn't bad at all by the defender. It's just reps after reps after reps, body language. Hey, this is why I think you should go. Okay, I'm already reading your mind. Like, how, you and not be going back and forth like – damn, bro, you didn't read my mind on this one. Like, that's exactly what I'm saying from, from Justin Herbert do right now when it comes down to his receivers. That's what Lamar have to do. Lamar Jackson have to do, man. He got he to gotta start scrambling to pass the ball, then he'll get that rapport with his, with his receivers, and then them boys can start making big plays outside the pockets down the field. Going back to Joe Burrow, wish him a speedy recovery. And right that same stoic demeanor he always has, even when he's getting carted off the field. That's crazy, right? We That's find crazy. out the next day he's torn his ACL and his MCL, and he has the same look on his face as if he had just thrown a touchdown pass. Hey, before you, before you even finish, hey, bet online. Man, bet me and uh, Joe Burrow so we can play some Joe poker sometime, man, because that boy got a poker face. <laughs> Joe Burrow, regardless on what's going on, man, he, he always – it's the same. It's the same 
nonchalant, I'm going to get through this. This is just part of life. Face. <laughs> you know, he got a he got a natural poker face. So bet online, man, make sure y'all come up with a concept between me. I don't even play cards. I'm just letting you know, man. I'm just throwing it out there. Hopefully you might catch it. <laughs> give, my, give my guy Ike Taylor a cut of that too for the idea. That's <laughs> genius. It's genius. I saw he has the most pass attempts of any quarterback in the league as a rookie. And it's like, sweet. So the Bengals are trying to go from a two-win team a season ago to like, I don't know, a four-win team this year. It's like, what are you doing when you can't block for this guy? And that was clearly evident. And so I wish him all the best and a quick return and a quick recovery because this league is better with him as a starting quarterback. And this this AFC North division is going to be better with him healthy on the field and playing. Oh, if he was in if he was in the NFC East, that'd be seven to two. (laughs) <laughs> well that was the joke i was gonna make that was the joke i was gonna be, make about the ravens is can we slip the baltimore ravens into the nfc east division can we trade teams so they can make the playoffs right 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 that's crazy but, I, mean, <laughs> I mean you see where my brain's at ike but you hey with 2020 going on man you just never know where the rule changes <laughs> <laughs> all right ike we're gonna do a little bit of a throwback and I put IT on this. I did some research. And in your playing career, you played the Ravens on Thanksgiving Day in 2013. Okay. And I think probably it was because the Ravens came out on top 22 to 20. Uh, The game was at M&T Bank Stadium. But in 2013, you played in that one. But it's funny because the Steelers lose and you just completely block it out of your mind. I see what you're doing. I'm trying to think what happened that week I'm, I'm trying to see yeah we did we did play with thanksgiving because i remember coach t letting us come into practice late he was like spend the morning with your family y'all come we're gonna start practice around 12 o'clock so yeah you're right that was 2013 because i remember coach t saying, come to practice later. We're going to start practice later. We're going to leave around 4 or 5, but we're going to come in around 11. For the guys who need treatment, y'all come get y'all treatment at 11 o'clock. We're going to start meetings at 12. Yeah, I remember. I remember I remember now. You're right. You're right. We did. We did. 2013. Yeah, you sure right, bro. I like how you completely block it out of your brain loss and it's on to the next one. So I see what you're doing. It's smart. It's a good mentality to have. On the flip side of that, in your playing career, what was your favorite Thanksgiving memory, whether it was spent with family, teammates, but when you were in the NFL, was there a time in a Thanksgiving that you remember spending time with your loved ones? I mean, it's always with the family. It's always good to have Thanksgiving with the family. I got the seasons in Pittsburgh, you know, fall, winter, spring, summer. You know, down down here in Florida, it's damn that summer year round. You know how it is, Mark and Mark. I mean, they'll get cool. Don't get it twisted. And I be telling people, I say, please, do not get this Florida weather twisted on not thinking they get cool. Because 50 is a different kind of 50 <laughs> in Florida. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's a different kind of 50. It's a it's a, we don't have big buildings. It's all you got is palm trees. Everything is flat. So that wind is cutting you like a ginsu <laughs> knife. Um, 
but yeah, man, it's just family. But I felt like I always, we always gave thanks. We always broke bread. <laughs> <laughs> we always broke bread in that locker room. So it was always Thanksgiving in the locker room. But Thanksgiving is a good time to be with the family. Did you mean to rhyme cutting through like a jinsu? Did you mean to do that? Nah, not at all. I, just, I do remember I saw Bloodsport last night on Netflix. So okay. I'm in my bag right now, bro. <laughs> All right, I, I, as we start to wrap up here, I do want to wish the listeners of the Believe in Steelers podcast a happy Thanksgiving. And uh, I'll say this, my favorite dish every Thanksgiving is the mashed potatoes. That is my go-to side. My family, my sister-in-law's dad knows mm-hmm. how to grill turkey. So we've had grilled turkey the last few years now. So that's been a lot of fun to share that with, with my family. And that's something I'll be doing yet again. But for a side dish, I, I love my pumpkin pie. I love a little bit of whipped cream on top. But my side dish, my go-to side dish, I know for a lot of people it's stuffing, but I'm going to go with mashed potatoes. What about you? My mama, uh, just, just for her son, just for her son, she makes the seafood gumbo. She makes two pots of gumbo. She makes the gumbo with all the meats and all that good stuff. Then she'll put aside for her baby the seafood gumbo. So I got the seafood gumbo and I don't eat meat, but my sister, I asked my sister, can she get somebody to cook three fried turkeys? Cause we're having over uh, 30 people at my mama house. So I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to get some of that fried turkey. I'm gonna have to go against my will, Marky Mark, and get some of that fried turkey. So it, with that being said, you know, I'm, I ain't gonna eat today and I ain't gonna eat tomorrow because I know I'm gonna gain at least 12. <laughs> In one setting. So I'm going to go out and get my water. I'm going to drink my water. I'm going to drink my wine. I'm going to drink my water. I'm going to drink my wine. And I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep it just like that. Because I know Thursday come. I'm going to work out. I'm going to do five miles a day. I'm going to do five miles tomorrow. <laughs> and I'm going to look so dehydrated. That's exactly what I'm looking like. But I'm going to be so happy when Thanksgiving time come. Because I'm going to eat till my face blow up like a blowfish. i can't top that but like we do have a five-star review to read and this comes from mendy weinstein she leaves us a five-star review with the title top-notch Steelers hype she says ike is the world's greatest Steelers hype man and mark knows how to steer the show hop on the back of this train and let them take you for a ride one that usually stays on track and when it doesn't crashes into a world of Steelers bliss. P.S. Thanks for reading this on the show. So shout out appreciate to Mindy for the five-star Appreciate it, Miss Mindy. Yeah, appreciate that. That's all love. And so we love to hear from the listeners. If you want to leave us a five-star review, go find the Believe in Steelers podcast on Apple Podcasts, and we'll be happy to read that on the show. But Ike, a happy Thanksgiving to you. A happy Thanksgiving Likewise, to our listeners. Bro. And shout out to the Believe in Steelers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network to the folks at Believe and also to the folks at betonline.ag. But Thanksgiving Day, I can't wait three NFL games and the Steelers in the nightcap with the Ravens. I can't wait for that one. But Ike, I wish you and your family a happy Thanksgiving as well. Man, likewise, Mark and Mark. Uh, wish you and yours a happy Thanksgiving. Want to bet one thanks. Want to give thanks to Bet Online for just sticking with us too. Believe podcast appreciate you believe in still this podcast appreciate you as well all the listeners who tune in mindy thanks for giving us our five-star review appreciate the love and the courtesy coming your way ike taylor 
Mark Bergen, Believe in Steelers Podcast. Again, want to thank betonline.ag. See y'all next week. Peace. For Ike Taylor, I'm Mark Bergen. Thank you for listening to the Believe in Steelers Podcast. We will see you next week. Take care and so long, everyone. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.